Welcome to the Expository Word Podcast, where you can hear classic recorded messages from Kimber Kaufman. Throughout these messages, Kimber faithfully follows the text to deliver God's message and to practically apply it to life. We trust you will enjoy listening to these classic recordings, and in just a moment we will join our teacher with the message. We believe that some of our listeners may have additional recorded messages from Kimber at home. If you have a cassette and would consider sharing a recording with our audience, please contact us through our email at theexpositoryword at gmail.com. Today, Kimber continues teaching through the Word, and our hope is that you will be challenged and encouraged by listening in. Let's turn now to Kimber. I want you to see something at the very beginning, and I need you to turn to three places. In your Bibles and turn rather quickly, and if you can't turn quickly, then you're going to miss it, but you can listen, I suppose. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And one thing I want you to see, I've mentioned it to you, but I want you to actually see it and lay hold of it because it's, it's foundational and it's essential to understanding um, how the Trinity is taught in the Bible. Now, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, but I just want you to see this. Now, turn to Ephesians 4 first, and like I said, um, we'll read. It says in verse 7, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. There you see Jesus Christ giving the grace. Now, if you turn to Romans chapter 12, it says in verse 3, For by the grace of given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith god has given you and there you see the this measure of faith another reference to the gifts um, from god and then to first corinthians chapter 12 and i want you to see there the scripture says in verse 7 now to each one the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. There you see the Holy Spirit involved. Now, if you want to see all of it together again, go back to verse 4 of that same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God. My friends, I hope you see that clearly. There you see the Trinity laid out clearly in Scripture. That's how you see the Bible being teaching on the trinity and you know that's an important subject today because there's lots and lots of false teaching denying the trinity denying the person of christ in some way or another and don't you allow that thinking to creep in because this is this is how you see it one thing i want to talk about in addition to last week is we talked about how to discover your spiritual gifts and it was study the bible it is praying and it is making sure you have the right motives for wanting to know your spiritual gift I want to also say that we want to add, and by the way, before we go past this, I want to make this comment. I had several people say, and I'll tell you, it's amazing the amount of interest that I've seen in regards to spiritual gifts and how many people have been to seminars or been to conferences about spiritual gifts, and I'm glad that there's this high interest. I, I, I welcome it, and, and don't shut off the, 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 the flow of uh, things. Someone else just gave me a whole set of tapes tonight by Charles Stanley on spiritual gifts. I appreciate that, and I'm glad, and, and I'm going to listen to a lot of those things the, the best that I can. Um, but I, I do want to say this. I've had people say, well, you know, so-and-so says this about spiritual gifts. I just want to remind you of something. All you can find out about spiritual gifts is given in the Bible. 
I mean, everything else that you have outside of what the Bible says, remember, it is conjecture, and it may be a wise man speaking and saying something very good, and so then, of course, you should to listen to it, but don't put it on the same level as what the Bible says. So when we say things like study the Bible and look through the major passages and list the spiritual gifts and look up the words, I will tell you that I really believe this is a way that you can find it. It, it, if, it, it is, um, well, anyway, I'll, I'll say more about that in a second. Pray, seeking God's will for knowledge and understanding about that, making sure that you have the right motive, doing some personal evaluation such as what are some things that you can do what are some things that you have done and making sure that you be, you're not tight-lipped when it comes to being a when, when you someone else has been a blessing to you you should ask when someone says that you've been a blessing to them how have i been a blessing to you and 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 maybe that you should be a little more specific so people can help understand what their gifts are an improvement list a like or a dislike list things that you really like to do um, then seek the prayers and counsel of godly people and then uh, and and we, we labored on that a little bit last time, but that really is important to seek that. And then to look for open doors of opportunity. And we said, remember, that's six, not first. But I think there's one that we should have put in there that we didn't. And that would be fellowship. I would say that, that uh, so, since the spiritual gifts are given for the common good, and since the whole idea of the body is that um, you, you are given gifts uh, for, the, for what is best for the entire body, I would certainly think that being with groups of Christians and what is your natural place there and and how is it that, that when I say natural it'd be a supernatural because the gifts are spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit but what is your place there as you fellowship with people as you're with people and that would be a, a key one that we left out number seven I guess you could add as to how to discover your spiritual gift but I want you to think about this with me the Bible says that the creator of the world where there's a hundred billion stars in our galaxy they know of at least a hub, another 100 billion other galaxies, and the majority of them are bigger than our galaxy. This universe is so vast and so awesome, and as we mentioned in the past, I never I know the terminology, but if this was a drop of pond water, in fact, maybe just even in this water, you're not sure, but if you were to examine it, you could look down and see a whole other world going on down there of cells and amoebas and things crawling around and eating each other and reproducing and all kinds of things happening right there in that glass of water, especially when I'm done preaching, I spit in it so much, there's, there's all those things that have happened. But I want you to think with me, the God that could create the, the universe and the God that, that could create the little amoebas that are down that we never even see... I want you to think with me a second, that God has not only called you to himself by sheerly by his grace and salvation, but that God has given you a gift by the Holy Spirit that is particular to you in the measurement of that gift and in the ability that you have because of that gift. And you have a place in the body of Christ that is so essential. Do you know, listen, the only organization in the world that the Lord established was the church. That's all he did. He came and he established a church while he was here on earth. And he says, go and build my church. And he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Acts chapter 20, he talks about the church which he has purchased with his own blood. And I will tell you, then if it is so important to God, the church, and if he says he's going to build his church, and I think we see that on a whole new light when you start to understand spiritual gifts that Christ measures out to everybody exactly what they need, then I think the question to ask is this. What am I doing to help what God is really concerned about? What am I doing with the gift that he's given me in the context of the church? You know, that's a very important question to ask yourself. 
Why is it that 10% in most every church across the country, 10% of the people do all the work? 10% of the people carry all the burdens. 10% of the people are the ones that are, the, are, are, are really overworked and, and, and you hear about burnout and you hear about all of those things that happen. I don't know how much of it is true, but I do know a lot of it is, happens because people are overworked. Why is it? We always talk today in our society about personal relationships. Well, what about corporate relationships? What about your corporate responsibility? Many of the Psalms are in the plural. The one that we all want to quote is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But you study like Psalm 67 and many of the others, and it's talking about not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. And there's a corporate sense in much of what happens in the Bible. Even, even as Jesus taught us to pray, it is our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not my Father, but our Father. And there's supposed to be a concept of that as we, as we um, even in prayer. And, and so if the church is God's agency for doing his work on earth, then you need to ask yourself this question, what is your part? What are you doing in regards to it? Are you giving in to the enemies of the church, individualism and narcissism, where you just seem to care about yourself? I, re, I remember um, after the retreat that we had, the couple's retreat, and we had such a good time down in southern Indiana a few weeks ago, we had to leave right after one of the sessions at about 11 o'clock in the morning. We had to leave to come back to take um, Dr. Rodmacher back to the jet airplane, you know, back to, of course, it's the jet airplane, but back to his airplane uh, to fly back. And, um, and I remember as we were going down, it was Sunday morning, and I was thinking, boy, oh, this surely is different. It was a beautiful sunny day, and we were riding back, and about five, six of us or five of us in the van. And I happened to look over and see a golf course at about 11 o'clock in the morning and just see a whole big gang of people at the golf course and people standing in line at the tees and people playing as we went by the golf course. And the thought just sort of struck me, you know, what are they thinking about? Where is God in their life? Is Sunday the, the Lord's day? What, what has happened? What is going on in, a, in our country where people just don't seem to have any time for church or it's boring or it's inconvenient or give us something that we want? What has happened to the church that God says that he bought with his own blood? That's what we need to remember. And I want to just encourage you because the church is called the bride, a building, a flock of sheep, a priesthood, a vine and branches. The most prominent teaching on the church in the Bible is that it's a body, that every cell is connected that there is one head who is Jesus Christ. And there is a body that, that gets all of the direction from the head. And what I want you to remember, friends, is that, 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 that the church is going to be beautiful when it's a body. The church is beautiful when it functions as a body and everybody does their part. And everyone works in, in regards to where they are gifted and how they are to, to fit in. And, and when we are under the submission to the head and gets all of the directives from the head, I understand that if you put your hand on the stove, your finger doesn't tell you that it's hot. You think that your finger is telling you that it's hot, but it's really your head that is... Now, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but your finger is getting hot. I'm looking now at the doctor and realizing I may have gotten said this wrong. But you're, 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 you're putting your finger down, and you're, you're, your finger feels like it's hot, but it's, it's, the brain is the reason that it's telling that it's hot. Is that right? Is that right back there? Two? You got two doctors that said yes. Okay, good. That it is. <laughs> And um, you notice I stood to the side of the pulpit. Whenever I'm over here, you don't have to believe it unless the people shake their head. All right? But anyway, I, 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 I tell you, Jesus, now listen to this. Jesus, according to Colossians 1, runs the whole universe. And if it were not for Jesus Christ, the universe would blow up. He holds it together. That same Jesus Christ, his plan is the church. 
And his plan is your involvement in a local assembly of believers where you have elders and deacons and where you give for the sense of them ruling over you as the Bible teaches. This is not me. This is the Bible. And his plan is that you're involved and that you are, are involved in a community that loves and that cares and that gives to each other. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, it says the church at Corinth had every spiritual gift they needed. The local church at Corinth. And I want to say to you that uh, we should remember some foundational principles about some of this and then we're going to answer some basic questions and then next week i believe we're going to start talking about particular gifts especially um uh, uh well, well i'll explain that more in a second maybe but here's what i want you to see all right in romans chapter 12 let's go over there a second and just review a couple of things quickly go over to romans 12 in romans chapter 12 it says in verse 3 for the grace given me i say to every one of you do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. In other words, this should help you think properly about yourself. Are you highly gifted? Remember that your gift is from God. Are people all the time saying, you've been such a blessing to me. Oh, I got so much out of what you did. Oh, thank you. Then you ought to stop and remember it isn't you. It's the Lord working in you. It's to humble the people. Sober judgment means the highly gifted person is humbled. Because they realize, by the way, what 2 Corinthians 3, 5 says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Now, the low-profile person, and that doesn't mean the person that's maybe not as gifted, maybe they're a 10 on the gift chart, but it's in something that is hidden. It's something that is, it is like uh, the optic nerve. You know, it's a key, but you don't ever see it. I heard someone say this was so funny. You know that passage where Paul's, the, we read this, this, this evening, and it says, I am not the eye, so I'm not going to do this. I'm not the, the foot says I'm not the hand. The person said, did you ever think about that? When's the, the foot could get so jealous because you, you're all the time, you know, your, your fingers are up closer and they know what's going on more. When you go to meet somebody, you never stick out your foot. You, st- you don't go, hi, how are you? Good to see you today. You don't do that. And so there could be some jump, but, but see, the whole body has to work together. If you were sticking out your foot to shake hands, you'd be off balance, you couldn't stand. You see, so there's, there's a place for everything, the obvious, obviously. Now, so there needs to also be for the low profile person to remember that you're important to Christ. He's measured out to you your gift, and he's measured out the exact proportion of your gift for what you need. Now, go on then to verses 4. In verse 4, it says in verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We don't have the same function. function. We all are to be, our goal is to be Christ-like, yes, but not assembly-like products, not assembly line products, not look-alikes, not service-alikes, not everything done the same. We are, to, we are also to realize that there is a vital connection. Everybody, please look at this. Look again down to verse 4. It says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. There is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of commitment. The, the church of Jesus Christ has gotten so weak when everybody bails out over some little disagreement or everybody is critical over something that they don't like going their way. Instead, there needs to be a, a sense of we are vitally belonging and we're vitally connected. And again, this illustration of the body is given. And I want you to think of that and think, well, as you picture yourself and you picture the church of Jesus Christ, where are you? What do you see? 
Where, where are you in, that, in all that? Because it says lastly, then in verses 6 through 8, look, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, friends, I want to say this. The point there is very simple. And remember, I don't think we need to know something new. We need to believe what we say we believe. And the point of verses 6 through 8 is this. Use your gift. Use it. And I know of so many people that very well may qualify, if it was aptly applied, to the man that hid his talents. And the, the, servant went, the master went away and he gave some five talents, some two talents, and some one talent. And the guy with the one talent hid his talent. And when the master came back, he was not using what God has given for him. And you know what the master called him? He said, well, um, you were in a mob riot and I understand you just lost control. And you didn't know what was happening. He didn't say that. He didn't say, um, well, somehow you aren't responsible. I know how it was when you're, with your parents when you grew up. You know what he said? He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Two things that are described in that passage about why people don't use their spiritual gifts is not because they're just shy or not because they just don't, you know, they just don't know exactly what. It's because they're, now be careful, this is what the Bible says now. And I'm not trying to beat you, but I'm trying to admonish you. You're wicked if you don't use your spiritual gift. And you're also lazy. And I want to encourage you to push through on the use of your gifts, no matter how much opposition you come up against, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how many times that that it may seem discouraging. Now, let's answer some very basic questions then, and they go like this. What is a spiritual gift? Okay, pretty basic. Pneumatica is the word for spiritual, and charismata is the word for gift. Now, we've taken the word charismata, and we've come out with charismatic, and it's too bad that the church has perverted that, because charismatics, we think of, usually when I say charismatics, what do you think of? You think of the gift of tongues. But charismata has to do with the entire gifts given to the body of Christ. So they're spiritual. It's where we get the word air or breathing. It, it's, it's, from that, it's spiritual gifts. It is not natural talents. 1 Corinthians 12.1 now, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning spiritual gifts. Don't be ignorant, don't be agnostics in regards to the spiritual gifts. Not natural capacity, but um, spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit given to you when you were saved. In fact, I, I heard recently of an 18-month-old toddler who walked up and started playing a song on the piano. And the guy turned out to be a fabulous pianist. Well, that obviously was natural. But what we're talking about is the gift from the Spirit of God to help you function spiritually in the body of Jesus Christ for the benefit of all and to help bring about maturity. How many gifts are there? Well, if you take the main passages... Of Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, Romans 12, 3 through 8, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, and 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, you will find 16 different designations of, of for gifting. But I, I, will, I want to tell you this that uh, I don't think that that's all there are. I don't think that there's any place that it's meant to be exhaustive. 
And I think that there may be some others, and that's what we'll talk about in the future. Is every Christian gifted? Absolutely yes. There's no sexual distinctions except in the office gifts. And, and the, the Bible says over and over that it doesn't matter what class you are. It doesn't even matter, I don't think, what education you are. Do you remember Peter? And, when, and in, first, in Acts chapter 4, it says, uh, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled at them, and they took note of them that they had been with Jesus because they knew they were unlearned and ignorant men. And even though they were unlearned and ignorant men, they noticed there were, they spoke with boldness, they spoke with authority. Well, what did Peter and John have? Well, they were apostles. They had ability, uh, apostolic authority to speak. Then it would, it would have been fab, fantabulous to be able to listen to them, wouldn't it? And, and they noticed there's something obviously different, you see. Um, so yes, every Christian is gifted. You are gifted. I want you to think about that. You are gifted and you have a place where, where you can be used in the body of Christ most effectively. When are the gifts received? We've already mentioned this, but I believe that your natural ability is received when you're born. I think that your spiritual ability is received when you're born again. There is no spiritual gift unless you have the Holy Spirit. And with the giving of the Holy Spirit, as 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, all of us have been baptized into the Holy Spirit, and all of us have this. And I, and I think that we need to see that, that in Acts chapter uh, 2, verse 38, it says you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit as they came to repent and be baptized. And um, I, I, I say that you see that, that, that what happens is you're given that gift, but just like you may be given a natural ability, the kid 18 month old had a natural ability to start to play the piano. He, if he would have never practiced, that gift may not have developed. But the thing that you need to know for sure is this. And that is, uh, you have this gift and you, it may need to be developed. You know there are some gifts that don't need to be developed. You know what they are? The gift of healing does not need to be developed. And the gift of tongues does not need to be developed. And so there is a separate seeming, a separate category. For instance, what if you had to develop the gift of interpretation of tongues? Let's just say. So somebody stands up and speaks in tongues. And you're sitting there going, uh, like a first grader, uh, I think he said, uh, you know, you see my point? You don't have to develop some gifts. Some gifts are miraculous as they were talked about in the New Testament. And that is, for instance, aren't you glad that, that you didn't run into a faith healer who was, who was developing his gift and didn't have it fully? Aren't you glad? See, they, I healed the wrong eye, I'm sorry. So now you've got perfect vision on one side and blind on the other. Something like that. So there are gifts that don't need to be developed, but the majority of these gifts are talked about that you're to use them and that you are to try to develop them. Um, who decides what your gift is? Well, we've already seen this, but in 1 Corinthians um, 12, 11, it says the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says God. In 1 Corinthians 12, 20, it says God. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says Christ. And you've already seen that it is these people have, or these persons of the trinity have given the gift to you especially as they decided what was best it really has been a tremendous thing for me to consider spiritual gifts in light of the fact you don't quit when you've been given a spiritual gift you don't ever quit you don't ever say that's it i'm done i'm retired if you've got a spiritual gift you use it until you can't breathe anymore to think about this not only were you created, he knows the number of hair on your head, not only does he know everything about you, 
but he also has given you a spiritual gift, the ability to help, for instance, or the ability to be hospitable, or the ability to serve, or the ability to be a teacher, or the ability to do something in the church. He's given you that ability, and I'm going to tell you it's going to be tremendously fulfilling. And, and it, what, you talk about a life with purpose. You talk about a life with, with, with something valuable to, to live for. You talk about a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Think about the fact that you've been gifted for a specific way and for a specific ministry. It also will help fulfill corporately the church's mission to reach out to the world. You won't have to do more than you're able to do. Instead of 10% doing it all, there should be... Have you ever seen an ant farm? Or you ever heard about a beehive? I remember a sermon I did in college when, from Proverbs 6. It says, go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. And I'll tell you how spiritual I was. You know how I got that? I was out by the lake at Cedarville College praying and asking God for direction about what I should speak on, and an ant crawled across my Bible. That is no kidding, man. That's how mystical I was back in those days. And so I started studying about the ant. But anyway, I did learn something. I did learn something. And you know what it was? I learned about an ant. I did some studies on them. And you know what? They did studies about, with ants. And they had a, a, a cube of sugar here, and then one twice as big here, and then one twice as big here. If you can't see me over there, I'll show you. Here was a cube, here's a cube, and here's a cube. And an ant comes along. And he's sniffing or whatever he's doing. And he comes along and he circles around it and sizes it up. Comes to the next one, circles up and sizes it up. Next one. Goes back to the ant palace, wherever it is, the ant farm. And guess what? They, did with, they, did, they studied it on, on videotape and things. The, the, there would be um, 32 ants going to the smallest cube of sugar. And the same 32 would go to the same sugar cube until it was gone. And there were 64 ants going to the next sugar cube. And the same 64 went to that sugar cube. And there was 128 ants going to the big sugar cube. And all 128 were the same ones that kept going to that one. And pretty soon, as a team, they tore it down. That's what ought to, be, ought to be happening here. And one of the goals we have, and remember, this is still, I look at these first two weeks as somewhat introductory, but one of the goals I have is this, to have everybody in the church using their spiritual gift wouldn't that be exciting? And you know what that means? It means new ministries will develop. It means new things will happen. It may mean old programs will go. Who knows what it means? We don't care what it means. But we want everybody to be using them. And it's also going to be a tremendous reward at the Bema for the way you used your gift. Could you present back to the Lord the gifts he's given? He says, Lord, you were gone on a long journey. Now you've come back. And here's what you've given me. And here's the return on your investment. That's what it's about. The return on the investment that God has given you. We talk so much, and in, in, in their, in their, that's their job, and they need to do a good job of it, about retirement and how to make sure that you're retired properly and how to make sure that you're going to have enough money when you're retired so that you can live comfortably and how to make sure all those things. And you ought to be wise stewards in regards to that. But I want you to know something. What about laying up treasures in heaven? Lay not up treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust will corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can corrupt and thieves cannot break through and steal. How about that? How about saying, well, how are you going to do that? By using your spiritual gift in the church. That's how. You can lay up treasures in heaven. What a retirement plan. Think about that. How exciting it will be to have lived your life. And by the way, you know what you're going to find? I know enough about trying to live for myself that I will tell you this. You go and try to make all of your decisions based on how you're going to get the most out of this life and try to squeeze Christ in when it's convenient. And you're going to be miserable. In fact, you ought to see... Uh, I, I mentioned I, the, the, I had, for several different reasons, I got to spend a week in Florida this last week. And I was reminded again when I was out on the golf course and everybody there was older. It was in a retirement community. You would think it was absolutely a beautiful day. There was everybody around there 
was, had everything they wanted. There was nothing they had to do. There was a beautiful city. They're on a golf course. Everything should be fine. And you ought to see the miserable looks and attitudes on those people. And I'm going to tell you why. Because all the greatest circumstances in the world cannot fill the void that's in the human heart. It is only when you're living in submission and obedience to God's will. And I would tell you, I would, it, it's better to be in God's will, sacrificing, doing what he wants you to do, and, and using your gift for the glory of God within the church, and actually administering God's grace in its various forms, as the scripture says, than it is to be wasting your life doing, oh, think about all that you can do over here. And you're not missing out on anything. You're not going to miss out on every, anything. You're, there, there's a, the eye hath not seen, neither is the ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And I want to just encourage you to use your gift with all your heart. That's what it says there in Romans. If your gift is giving, give generously. If it's serving, get to serving. If it's whatever it is, do it. Stop screwing around and get going. It's the point that Paul is saying. And then I, I want to close on this with, and then I'll tell just a little story. It will only take a couple minutes. But I want to say that we'll talk next week about some supporting gifts such as apostles, prophets, pastor, teachers, and evangelists. Then we're going to spend a lot of time covering the speaking gifts. Here they are, by the way. The speaking gifts listed in the Bible. Prophecy, teaching, exhortation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Then we're going to talk about the serving gifts, such as faith, discernment, helps, mercy, management, leadership, giving. And, and these are, so you can see we have a good series ahead of us. It's going to be fun going into the new year, isn't it? And then, think about the sign gifts. They're the miracle gifts, such as the gift of healing and the gift of tongues, the ones you don't have to develop. And we'll talk about them. You don't have to even learn them, by the way. And if someone tells you that you need to learn those, then they've told you wrong. And then um, we'll spend a little bit more time in, e in each one of those. Now, I want to close then with this little story. Remember the story I closed with last Sunday morning? Same author. John Duckworth, what ability this guy has. I'm going to read here. I got these new contacts, and I look like a grandpa with these glasses. That's just the way it's going to be, I suppose. Okay. By the way, I, I, I was kidding people. You know, you say this way to the beach, this way to the study when you wear these. You know, which way to the study? Okay. <laughs> Some of you are saying, Kim, you don't have the gift of humor. Give up on it. You're saying. <laughs> I'm trying to develop it, okay? Okay, we'll be done. When I finish this story, we'll be done, Okay. By the way, what we could have in a few weeks is some Q&A time, and that is ask some questions, save them up for, for this, okay? Once upon a time, there was a man who had a pocket full of change. It wasn't a big pocket full, but the man thought it was enough. After all, hadn't he chosen each coin long ago? Hadn't he paid dearly for each one? Now he could use them to accomplish his purposes, or so he thought. Let's see, he said, reaching into his pocket. How much have I got here? He counted the coins into his palm. One nickel, three dimes, a penny, two quarters, a 50-cent piece, and a silver dollar. He smiled. Good, now I can use them to buy the things I need. So off he went down the street, whistling happily. He whistled so loudly, in fact, that he couldn't hear the tiny, tiny racket that was coming from his pocket. I don't like it in here, the 50-cent piece was saying. It's too crowded and stuffy, and I don't like having to associate with coins of lower denominations. Look who's talking, said the silver dollar. I'm worth twice your value. You're just overweight. <laughs> One of the quarters scoffed. You're both out of date, he said. You're useless in today's vending machines world. People would much prefer our slim, sleek, sleek shapes. Why don't you go back to the mint where you came from? The dollar glared. Well, at least we're not dimes. 
They're the smallest coins of all and the easiest to lose. Not that they'd be missed, mind you. Sizes and everything, said the dimes in chorus. Each of us is worth twice as much as any of that chubby nickel. Well, the nickel said indignant, you're forgetting the lowest coin of all. I'm glad I'm not a penny. A penny can't buy anything anymore. The penny, who couldn't think of anything clever to say, blushed a coppery red. All the other coins laughed at him. Finally, the penny sighed. I guess you're right, he said. I don't know why the man bothers to carry me around in this pocket. I'm worthless to him. He could never use me to buy anything he needed. The others noisily agreed, clinking and snickering and saying that he wasn't worth a plug nickel. <laughs> Meanwhile, the man had whistled and walked so far that he was getting hungry. Soon he came to a vending machine that sold candy bars. I'm getting hungry, he said, and those candy bars do look good. I think I'll use my two quarters to get a snack. With that, he reached into his pocket. Oh, no, you don't, the quarter said, too faintly for the man to hear. They burrowed deeper into his pocket. No one's going to take us out of our nice, warm home. We'll hide down here until that hand goes away. Let the man use some other coin. But no other coin would fit the man's purpose. So he dug deeper and deeper he dug. The deeper the quarters burrowed. Before long, the quarters found a little hole in the bottom of the man's pocket. Aha, the quarters cried. Here's our chance to escape. Now we can get away from the man and spend our lives as we please, pushing with all their might. The quarters forced their way through the little hole. We're free, they cried, falling unnoticed to the sidewalk. We can go anywhere, do anything we want. But they found themselves rolling out of control, spinning into the gutter with a splish. They hit the dirty water and lay helpless, their shiny faces pointed at the sky. The man sighed, pulling his hand from his pocket. I thought I had two quarters, he said, but I guess not. Still hungry, he continued down the street. In the pocket, one of the dimes was getting an idea. Hey, he said, I'm tired of always being put down because of my size. I've never liked being a dime anyway. Let's turn ourselves into quarters. Yeah, said the other two dimes. Quarters get a lot more attention. Since those two left, the man is bound to need some more. Won't he be impressed with how important we are? So the dimes gathered all their strength. They puffed themselves up trying to look like quarters. Just then the man came to a telephone booth. I've got to make a call, he said, and those three dimes in my pocket will help me do it. He dug into his pocket and pulled out the dimes, who were still puffing themselves up, holding their breath, pretending to be quarters. But they still looked like dimes. Ah, the man said, there you are. I'll just put the three of you into this payphone so I can make that important call. What? The dimes cried to each other in their tiny voices. Why, we've never been so insulted. Can't he see that our true calling is to be quarters? Who does he think he is anyway? Restricting our self-worth? Why, with that they wiggled from the man's fingers and fell to the sidewalk. We'll find someone who appreciates our real value, the dimes sniffed. But like the quarters, they rolled into the gutter where the man couldn't find them. My, my, the man said, sighing again. None of the other coins is useful to me in making the phone call. I guess I'll have to go into the store and get change for my 50-cent piece. So he entered the next store on the street. Whoa, said the 50-cent piece as he growled from deep in the man's pocket. He's not going to exchange me for the inferior coins. I hate lying in a dark cash register drawer with all those strangers. I'm a big, important coin, and I want to stay that way. Grunting and squeezing the 50-cent piece, worked his way through the little hole in the man's pocket and fell to the floor. There he rolled under a counter and was lost in the dust. Help, he cried weakly, but no one could hear. The man rummaged in his pocket. I was sure I had a 50-cent piece, he told the cashier, but I guess not. He thought for a moment, maybe I could use my silver dollar to get the change. I'll just get twice as much, that's all. The dollar roared a miniature roar. Never, he said. I'm not going to be anybody's second choice. I'm the most valuable coin there is. I should be kept safe in the bank, not left to tarnish in this dump. Harumphing, the dollar coin slipped through the hole in the pocket and tried to leap into the counter, but he fell short, plunging into a nearby trash can. There he blustered and fumed, but couldn't budge. I guess I don't have a silver dollar after all, the man said sadly. Finding none in his pocket, apologizing to the clerk, he left the store. The man walked and walked and walked. Finally, he reached the spot where he parked his car. 
There he saw a meter maid putting a parking ticket on his windshield. Wait, the man cried. I have a nickel. I can put it in the parking meter. I'll just get it out of my pocket. No way, the nickel protested. You're not spending me on some parking meter. I have higher ambitions. I want to help build a great big hospital or buy a fancy new yacht. The nickel jumped through the hole only to fall under a car's muddy tire and was stuck. I guess I don't have that nickel either, the man said, shaking his head. The meter maid handed him the parking ticket and drove away. The man sighed once more. Well, he said, I thought I had a whole pocket full of change to use, but all I've got now is no candy bar, no phone call, no parking ticket, and no money, except for this little penny. The penny, who had been clinging desperately to the man's pocket so as not to slip through the hole in the bottom, sighed with relief as the man's fingers took hold of him. Oh, use me, the penny cried. Maybe you could use me to buy a gumball. I'm afraid I'm not good for much else. The man brought the penny close to his eyes. Hmm, he said, looking and frowning. Then he turned the penny over. Ah, he explained, his frown turning to a smile. Holding the penny firmly in his hand, he whistled and walked down the street. The penny, unable to see or hear, waited breathlessly to find out whether the man could find a way to use him. Finally, the man stopped walking. Moments later, the penny could see and hear again and discovered he was lying on the counter in a store. It was a very nice store. Looking up, the penny saw a sign on the wall. Rare coins bought and sold, the sign said. That's a valuable penny, all right, a kind-looking lady behind the counter was saying to the man, a 1909 SVDB. It's worth about $200. The penny gasped, I am? I am? So it happened that the man who knew a great deal about coins sold the little penny for quite a bit of money. The penny was happy as he could be, was displayed in a place of honor in an elegant glass case, and the man had enough money to get all the candy bars and the phone calls he could want and pay for his parking ticket too. The other coins, they just sat in their gutters and dust, wondering why no one ever used them anymore. No one recognizes how valuable we are, they said crossly. After all, we're not a bunch of pennies or something. They lived happily, unhappily ever after. Good. Let's pray. Father, the prayer of our hearts tonight is that you would help us be useful. That you would make us useful for your kingdom. That you would cause us, Father, to be people that, that would... Help honor and glorify the name of Jesus Christ by the way we live. And I pray that you would work in our fellowship. And please remember this prayer so that people would learn of their spiritual gifts and would grow in the use of them and would develop them for your honor and glory. And Father, may this church be one where uh, a great majority of people, our goal would be everyone, would be using their gift. So help us as we continue this study. In Jesus' name, amen. And that concludes today's expository word. Please join us again for more classic recorded messages from Kinder Kaufman. Take care.